Good morning would be the right way to say. <laughs> um, hi guys, I hope you're all well. And um, I greet you in the wonderful name of Jesus. And uh, thank you for joining us this morning. And um, my prayer is that this message will touch your heart, mind and soul. So before we get into it, let's just bow our heads and uh, dedicate this to the Lord. My Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you this morning for your word. As you say in Isaiah 55, that your word would not return empty, but will accomplish what you desire, and it would achieve the purpose for which you've sent it. Father, I pray this morning that you would anoint my tongue, and that you would anoint the ears of every hearer this morning. Lead us, Holy Spirit, and we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So before we get... Um, so this series that we are in is called Finding God's Stride. And Pastor Larry spoke last week about digging your ditches. And uh, so God gave the word to Elijah, the prophet, telling the three kings, dig ditches in the desert. And by being obedient to God, and uh, God gave them an outcome towards their needs by giving them water and also giving them victory over the Moabites. So just to recap, Pastor Larry spoke about two aspects on how we dig our ditches. Ditches, and the one aspect is the spiritual one, and it speaks about worshiping God, responding to God daily and during seasons and every circumstance, and the second one by being faithful in the things God gave us and finishing them. The third one is by your connection through prayer. It should be accurate, and it must be an act of the spirit and not of the flesh. The second aspect was the practical aspect of keep God's love in your hearts and share that love with others. The second one is keep peace alive. Peace will work with you and it speaks about the shalom peace, the wholeness of your entire being, spirit, soul and body. And then the third one was to keep your hope alive and what are you expecting uh, or are you expecting the best for your life? And don't let the enemy steal your hope because without hope, faith can't operate because it has nothing to cling to. So our title for today's message is called, Don't Just Stand There, Pray Something. So Ephesians 6 verse 18 out of the NIV says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayer and request. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. So on our first Sunday when the church just opened after lockdown, as we were busy with praise and worship, us, I was struggling that morning to focus. My mask kept on falling down. I have to reset it the whole time. Um, then when it was on, I almost swallowed it a few times. And then it was scratching me. Then it was too hot. And I was like, what is going on here today? You see, I just wanted to get um, quiet before the Lord. I was excited about uh, our church being open again. And with all this going on, I just couldn't focus. And uh, during praise and worship, I just stopped and I asked, Lord, what is going on here today? And at that moment, the little voice softly said to me, stand. Just stand and pray. So immediately the scripture of Ephesians 6 verse 13 and 14 came up and it says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, verse 14, Stand firm then. 
You see, I suddenly realized the enemy is not happy with the church being back open. He's that roaring lion, um, but now his roar is gone. He again realized that he is a def- he's defeated and his plans to steal, kill, and destroy is useless against the blood of Jesus. And as we start to build further again the kingdom of God, there's a greater unity in the spirit, there's power, and there's love. So as this little voice said, stand and pray. Well, that morning I was standing and I already started praying in my heavenly tongues. For me, I can't say my best prayers were when I was on my knees. Because during these times, to be real with you this morning, um, they were actually, when I was on my knees, I was on my lowest of low. There were no options left, no solutions, no answers to my problems, except to be quiet Go down on my knees and pray, glorifying God, declaring his word and his faithfulness, his goodness, and the authority we have in his son Jesus, declaring it over and over again. And yes, it is so true, um, a Christian can see more on his knees than on his feet. But you see, that was not the case that Sunday morning. Because when you stand up, you have a better perspective of things, what's hap- of things that's going on around you. By this time, you've already, already identified the problem, which is the enemy, the Goliath. And you can stand up straight and face him. Look, in, look him in the eye and say, my God is with me through this. My God gave me victory. And I will say this just once. In the name of Jesus, no weapon formed shall prosper against me, my family, my friends, my pastors, my leaders, my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. I remember when I was um, uh, getting ready for my first first service here in this church, and I was I was really praying for the Holy Spirit just to guide and lead me. And I think my biggest prayer that morning was, Lord, don't let the people see me, but let them see you, and uh, let me become less, you become more. And that morning, as I closed our house door, my kids and my wife was already in the car, the enemy just said, you know what? You don't have one service to preach today. You have two. And it, I was like, I slammed the door and I said, enemy, you better not be here when I come back after these two services. Amen. So the Lord was saying to me, stand and look to me that morning. Don't lose your focus on me. Don't let the enemy distract you as he did in the service. Because when you stand up and you look unto Jesus, you enter into the, enter into the reality where the impossible becomes possible. You can walk on water like Peter did, and everything else around you looks insignificant. Amen. So my question to you this morning is, what are you standing for today and praying for? I once read a statement by John Wesley that said, it seems that God is limited by our prayer, by our prayer life. He can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. So the later part of James 4 verse 2 says, you have not because you ask not. John 16 uh, verse 23 and 24 say, and here is eternal truth, that when the time comes, you won't need to ask me for anything But instead, you will go directly to the Father and ask Him for anything you desire, and He will give it to you 
because of your relationship with me, Jesus. Verse 24, until now, you've not been bold enough to ask the Father for a single thing in my name. But now you can ask and keep on asking. And you can be sure that you will receive what you ask for and your joy will have no limits. So God wants for his children to ask him to move on behalf of the lost. Asking based on God's word is one of why believers stand in their place of authority in Christ and enforce Satan's defeat on the earth. God can only move on this earth as his people ask him to move. God is longing today for that someone who will make up the hedge and stand in the gap before him and intercede for souls in every nation because that's the scriptural way to win cities and nations. Ezekiel 22:30 out of the Amplified, here God is speaking, saying, And I sought for a man among them that should make up a hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. So we believers could accomplish so much more for the kingdom of God if we only exercise the authority we have in the name of Jesus and enforce the devil's defeat here on earth. The majority of Christians don't take advantage of this authority in prayer. What belongs to them, <clears throat> if they did, much damage would be done to the kingdom of darkness and many souls would be one to God. I believe Christians can change the political, economical, social scenes in cities and nations through scriptural prayer. So let's take a brief look at Daniel's prayer life. We find another biblical example of a covenant man changing the course of events in a nation through his prayers. So if Daniel could change the entire course of the nation of Israel by his prayers, regardless of satanic strongholds, then we need to see exactly how he prayed. And we will find every recorded instance that Daniel prayed every time to God. So no time in the Bible does <clears throat> the Bible say that Daniel warred against the devil or that he ever dealt directly with principalities and powers of darkness. So let's read uh, the following passages shown in Daniel 10. <clears throat> Verse 2 says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning, he was fasting, for three weeks. Verse 3, I ate no pleasant or desirable food, nor did any meat or wine come into my mouth, and I did not anoint myself at all for three full weeks. Verse 5, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded up with pure gold of you pants. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you've set your mind and heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I've come as a consequence and in response to your words today. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days. And then Michael, one of the chief of the celestial princes, came to help me. For I remained there for the kings of Persia. It speaks about the wicked spirits in the heavenlies. Verse 14. Now I have come to make you understand what is to befall your people in the latter days. For the vision is for many days yet to come. So both um, 200 years before, plus minus, the prophets Ezekiel and Jeremiah prophesied that God would deliver Israel out of Babylon. 
And Daniel was one of the many Hebrew exiles held captive in Babylon. And one day Daniel read, started reading those prophecies about Israel's um, release from captivity. And he began, he began seeking God about what God has promised. Here's the thing. It was the word of God that stirred Daniel up to pray and see God on behalf of his people. And as Daniel sought the Lord, God not only showed him what would happen in the immediate future, but God also showed Daniel certain kingdoms what would decline and other kingdoms that would arise in the future. So what we can learn firstly is Daniel prayed to God, not against the devil. And when you look at the word, uh, what the word says, you see that Daniel did not personally deal with the princes that was ruling in heavenly places. Daniel only prayed to God. So Daniel not prayed to, uh, against the devil. So when you look at... Uh, sorry, I missed my place. So on the, on the other hand, there's a sense in which Daniel actually dealt with the evil spirits indirectly in prayer because when Daniel prayed, <clears throat> God heard and answered him and God's kingdom was advanced and Satan's kingdom suffered a, a defeat. And as a result of Daniel's prayer to God, there was a fighting in the heavenlies, but Daniel wasn't doing the fighting at all. You see, when the body of Christ prays, there's much more going on in the, in the heavenlies, in the first and second heavens, where dem- demons operate than we realized. Remember, the angel said to Daniel, your words were heard, and I've come in the response of your words. Isn't that a powerful scripture? So when Daniel prayed, he was not trying to defeat the devil. <clears throat> Daniel was putting God in remembrance of his word. Isaiah 43:26 out of the Amplified read, Put me in remembrance. Remind me of your merits. Let us plead and argue together. Set forth your case that you may be justified and proved right. So however indirectly Daniel's prayers affected the principalities and powers and caused uh, a battle that took place in the heavenlies and the forces of darkness tried to keep Daniel's prayer from reaching him, Daniel must have realized that he was not getting through, and so he continued praying for 21 days. So what if Daniel had given up? The angel may not have prevailed in the heavenlies, but Daniel didn't give up. And as, as a result of answered prayer, situations were changed in that nation to the glory of God because of Daniel's prayer. But it was God's word bringing him into remembrance, spoken by Daniel in prayer, that God had moved and changed those circumstances. I come for your words. This passage in Daniel 10 gives us insight about the power our words have in affecting the spiritual realm um, as God moves to answer our prayer in the natural realm. We can see this in what the angel said to Daniel from the first day. Your words were heard. And I came for your words. Uh, That's a very interesting statement. I come for your words. It was not the words that were spoken in heaven that sent the angel to Daniel or put the angel of God to work. It was the words spoken on earth by someone praying in line of God's word that put the angel to work. Amen. Psalm 103.20 says, Bless, affectionately, gracefully, gratefully praise the Lord. You, his angels, you mighty ones who do his commandments, hearing to the voice of his word. 
You can pray prayers that impact heaven and earth. And when you pray, you are declaring God's will to be done, not your own. James 5 verse 17 says, Elijah was a human being with a nature such as we have, with feelings, affections, and a constitution like ours. And he prayed earnestly for it not to rain, and no rain fell on the earth for three, and a, three, and a half, uh, three years and six months. Verse 18 says, And then prayed again, and the heaven supplied rain, and the land produced crops as usual. So Elijah was a prophet of the hour when Israel was ruled by the corrupt king Ahab and his wife, uh, wicked wife Jezebel. The whole nation was in rebellion against God. They had forgotten how he previously uh, delivered them out of the Egyptians, uh, slave masters, and led them through the wilderness into the promised land. But they were now worship, worshiping the idol bowl. And so Elijah pray, prayed this prayer. So in these two verses will tell us that a prayer all of us can pray, actually, that will affect heaven and earth. And this prayer is not just for a select few, because it says here, Elijah was a man subject to human nature, just as we are, meaning that he was like any of us. You see, we pray not to soothe our emotions, but to bring heaven to earth and getting results. So in Elijah's case, his prayer literally affected the atmosphere because it didn't rain for three and a half years. The word says, yeah, he prayed earnestly in verse 17. So in 1 Kings 17 verse 1, And Elijah the Tishite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. You see, Elijah wasn't afraid of King Ahab because Elijah lived his, lived his life before God. Neither will you fear man's opinion or their criticism when God becomes your primary source of strength and encouragement. Remember, during the reign of King Ahab, he had all the prophets killed, and Elijah was the only one left. He was bold and he had confidence in God, and you would ask why. You see, your prayers, or Elijah knew his prayers have results when you know the influence you have in God. So notice how God calls Elijah's bold declaration above an earnest prayer. Verse 7, it says, He prayed earnestly for it not to rain, and no rain fell on the earth for three years and six months. Verse 18, And then he prayed again, and the heaven supplied rain, and the land produced its crops. So verse 7 says, It doesn't fit our traditional ideas of prayer, usually with a person with eyes closed, hands folded, and on his knees. Because he was standing and facing King Ahab at that time. Verse, eight, verse 18, rather the second time Elijah prayed on his knees in James 5 verse 18, the word earnestly is not there. And we're going to see why. So by this time there has not been dew nor rain for three and a half years, not a blade of green grass. The land was parched and it was difficult for the people to get water from the mountains. So King Ahab was looking for deliverance. So Elijah issued a challenge to Baal and his prophets to turn the Israelites' hearts back to God. So both he and the Baal prophets would kill a bull, cut it into pieces, put it on an altar, and the Baal prophets would call on Baal, a bull, and Elijah would call on God. And uh, the first one that would be burned up would be God. 
But eventually Baal didn't answer. God answered with fire on the sacrifice and so doing forgave the Israelites for their rebellion. Now God could righteously at this stage bring showers of blessing down upon Israel because he has judged their sin through the sacrificial bull. In fact, the fires of judgment was falling on the sacrifice and not on the Israelites. So this was a foreshadowing actually of how our Lord Jesus would bear the judgment of our sins on the cross. So although God has to judge sin, he is love. Today it's far easier to receive God's blessing than his judgment of what our Lord has accomplished at, our, at the cross. So let's look at 1 Kings 18 verse 41 to 46. Verse 41, then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to Mount Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground, put his face between his knees, and said to the servant, go up, look towards the sea. So he went up, looked, and said, there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. You see, Elijah could have stopped after the first, the second, the third, the fourth, or the fifth time, but he was persistent. And at the seventh time, then he came to pass the seventh time that he said, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot, go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain, so Ahab rode away. And went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. You'll see now where I'm going to. So, verse 42 bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. We think Elijah's prayer here is more earnest, but God just said he prayed again. This is because when we declare God's goodness, we're partnering with him. We're agreeing that Jesus already borne the cross of our sins, of diseases, pains, at the cross, and given us all his blessings. So in other words, praying, pleading prayers, trust me, I've been there, done that, oh God, please heal my child, is in contrast with the truth of Christ's finished work, and gives the false impression that God still needs to be persuaded to bless us. And since the Holy Spirit is also the spirit of truth, he cannot bear witness with that kind of prayer, and we don't see results. So what does declaring and decreeing look like? In the name of Jesus, you foul spirit of depression, let this person go. You are declaring that it's not the Lord, but the powers of darkness that's holding this person back. You're declaring that God's not the problem, but the solution. You see, Elijah prayed the way he did because he was living under the old covenant still before Jesus came, where it was far easier to come under God's judgment than his blessings. Although God promised to bless his people when they kept all ten commandments, they only had to break one to be cursed. Let's read in Deuteronomy 11, verse 26 to 18. It says, Behold, I've set before you this day blessing and a curse. Verse 27, the blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. Verse 28, 
and the curse if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. But turn aside from the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which you have not known. So that's why it's far easier for Elijah to pronounce judgment in the form of no dew or rain for Israel, but far more difficult for him to pray for rain. But Jesus' finished work at the cross has changed everything for us. You see, now blessings could come easily because they aren't contingent upon our perfect obedience uh, to God's law, but upon Christ's one obedience in dying on the cross for our sins and making us righteous. Romans 5 verse 19 says, One man's disobedience opened the door for all humanity to become sinners. But also one, man's obedience op- also one man's obedience opened the door for many to be made perfectly right with God to him. God never meant for us to earn his blessings by keeping the law. God gave the law so that we could come to the end of ourselves and receive him as our righteousness instead. And receiving his righteousness produces righteous fruit, right living, and holiness before God and men. So it's God's goodness that leads us to repentance. And it's not only do we end up fulfilling the law, but exceeding it by the power of his grace. So verse 44, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. You see, little with God always becomes more. A small cloud with God can bring torrential rains. You will always have supernatural power. It says here, Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab. You see, when God's power comes upon you, you will have supernatural strength like Elijah to outrun Ahab's chariot. It's vital that we know we're living in the age of grace, where it's easy to pray and see results. Not in the age of law in Elijah's time, nor of the coming day of vengeance, where every sin will be dealt with. Even then, as believers, Christ has borne all the judgment for our sins already. So, we are living in the acceptable year of the Lord. As our Lord Jesus once read from the book of Isaiah, So the Hebrew word for acceptable year is called ratzon. It's a very rich word which means God's free favors are profusely abounding. And we will see this in, if you um, look to Luke 4, verse 17, listen to this statement. So, and he, Jesus, was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he, Jesus had opened the book, he found the place where it was written of Isaiah 61. And it says there, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's Jesus speaking in the synagogue. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And it says, Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. So they were amazed. They didn't know what we were talking about. So compare this to the original passage in um, Isaiah 61. It says, To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. So Jesus didn't continue reading the day of vengeance of our God because it's not yet come. We're still living in the acceptable year 
of the Lord, and it's been 2,000 years for now. So no amount of arguing politics will change people, but sharing the gospel of grace and a Savior who loves them will transform them from the inside out. Pray from a position of sonship, completeness, and victory. See, see God as a father who Jesus came to reveal him as. There's protection in seeing God as a father, as seen in John 17, 11 below. He isn't far away, but he's so close to you. So John 17, 11 says, And now I'm, more, I'm no more in the world, but these are still in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep in your name, in the knowledge of yourselves, those you have given me, that they may be as one as we are. So it's not about the strength of your prayer, but who you are praying to. Long before we pray, we need to see that God wants to bless his people. He doesn't need to be begged. And since, since Jesus carried our diseases, we can declare fever, go. Cancer, die in Jesus' name. The secret here is keep on declaring it. Daniel prayed for 21 days. He kept on declaring God's word and faithfulness. He never stopped. Elijah, he prayed seven times and he never stopped. And I'm sure he wouldn't have stopped till his servant told him there is a small cloud on the horizon. If you have declared it once and haven't seen results, don't keep, uh, give up. Keep on declaring no matter how small you feel your faith is. You see, God answered Elijah in sending fire down upon the sacrificial bull, not the Israelites. That's a foreshadowing of how Christ would bear the judgment for our sins. His finished work then becomes our firm foundation upon we can pray and see results. Let's look at 1 Kings 18, verse 36 to 39. Verse 36, And it came to pass at the time of the offering of this evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. <clears throat> Verse 37, Hear me, O God, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Verse 38, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Verse 39, now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. See, when Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down, today the altar represents the cross of Jesus, a symbol of God's love for the world. And let's share Jesus' love with people, and they'll come to believe in him. The 12 stones here represent the nation of Israel that God loved um, and was once one in God's eye. Even though they were divided, the 10 um, tribes in the north and the two in the south, today God sees the body of Christ as one as well, united in spirit. We might not all agree on all doctrine, but we can unite around the person of Jesus. So in Ephesians 4, verse 3 to 4, it says, Be eager and strive earnestly to God and keep the harmony and oneness by the Spirit in the binding power of peace. One body and one Spirit, just as there is also one hope 
that belongs to the calling you received. So Elijah at that time of the burnt offering told the people, fill four water pots of water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood three times. And it was almost as if he deliberately wanted to make it, wanted to make it difficult for God to, send, uh, to call down fire. Today, this re- represents God's relentless love for us. No matter how we try to pour cold water on it or suppress it, like Israel turn away from him, God won't stop pursuing us. And as Songs of Solomon 8 verse 7 speaks of his love for us, it says, Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man would offer all the goods of his house for love, he would be utterly utterly scorned and despised. So back to verse 6. At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, it was then the time when Elijah prayed to God to send fire down. So Israel offered two daily animal sacrifices, in the morning at 9 and at the evening at 3. It also said that Jesus was nailed to the cross at 9 in the morning and exhausted all our sins and judgment, crying, it is finished at 3 in the afternoon. So now we can pray to God any time and he will hear us because of Jesus' finished work. Verse 38, And then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up all the water that was in the trench. So during Elijah's time at Mount Carmel, God's fire consumed the sacrifice completely. But at Calvary, Jesus, our perfect sacrifice, consumed the judgment, and he rose from the dead and is still alive today. So the sacrifice is now greater than the judgment. Jesus' resurrection is why we can be assured that all our sins are forgiven and we can come boldly to God's throne of grace, pray prayers, and see results. Verse 39 says, And now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord is God. The Lord is God. Not only was the righteousness of God satisfied, but God won the hearts of Israel and is still winning hearts today. So, even before you pray, see your prayers answered. The second one is have an inward posture of seeing your prayers having results before you pray. The third one is don't pray to have influence with God. Pray because you already have influence with Him. Don't pray to pry blessings from God's hand, but proclaim His blessings that are already yours. Job 22 verse 29 says, You will also declare a thing and it will be established for you. Declare God's promises when you don't know what to do and his light will shine on your situation. Verse 29, When they cast you down and you say exaltation will come, then he will save the humble person. True humility is declaring God's promises when you cast down, not wallowing in self-pity. If you see strife in your relationship, you can declare, you foul spirit of strife, I command you to cease in your maneuvers. Be gone in my family in Jesus' name. Use his name today. We don't pray judgment on our enemies. We love our human enemies. Our real enemies are the powers of darkness. Even our salvation in Christ is gotten by declaring and confessing that Jesus is Lord and believing in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead and not begging him to save us. So in Romans 10 verse 9, my last scripture, 
as we welcome Pastor Larry back to the stage, because if you acknowledge and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and in your heart believe, adhere to, trust in and rely on the truth that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I thank you. Amen. What a great word. Come on, let's put our hands together. Well done, Ben. Come on, let's stand to our feet and just for the next few moments, would you close your eyes and let's just be in an attitude of prayerfulness and attitude of worship. Father, thank you for that word of encouragement. Thank you for your word that is alive and powerful, for revelation knowledge that has flown and an impartation that has been imparted into our spirits and renewed our minds tonight. Perhaps you yet or not, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or perhaps you're not walking in the place where you know you should be with God, or perhaps you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. Even if you're watching online right now, we'd love the privilege just to pray with you and for you in this moment right now. So if that's you, if you'll just raise your hand if you're in this building, and if you're there online, in your home, wherever you are, you can pray that prayer. Thank you so much. I'm going to lead you in this prayer, and I'm going to ask the whole church to pray with me aloud. And if you're there online, if you'd pray out loud this prayer from Romans chapter 10, that last verse that Benjamin shared with us, pray it out loud, and God will do the rest. Say, Father God, I believe tonight Jesus is my Lord, that he died on the cross, and that you raised him from the dead, so that I could be saved. I rededicate my life. And I thank you that I receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit right now. Now, if you raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to just quickly move to the back of the building. And we're going to just pray with you quickly. We're going to take you to a place of prayer. And we just trust God together with you. If you prayed that prayer online, wherever you are right now, there's a WhatsApp number and an email address appearing on your screen. If you'd send us a note, we'd love to know that you prayed. We'd love to send you a Bible. We would like to communicate with you. We are so excited and grateful. Perhaps you have a prayer request or perhaps you have a praise report that you want to share with us. We'd love to engage. We'd love to hear from you. We are so grateful that you joined us. God bless you and thank you for that word.